Welcome in to the Blitz and Buckets podcast. We are back alongside with my host, Jaden Kozak. How you doing, bro? Doing good, doing good. Ready to continue to knock these out. Yep, let's do it. Let's do it. We're going division by division in the AFC right now, and we're rocking. So let's get into it. AFC South. Woo! Yeah, one of the better divisions in football. Psych. And it's no more evident. You don't have to look any further than the Jaguars to stand for the division. I mean, I don't mean to shit on the AFC South. I, I'm i sorry. You have every reason to. They're, they're the only outside of the NFC East. They're the worst division. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into those Jacksonville Jaguars who finish an exciting 1-15 in 2020. But... There was obviously a reason to that, which we will get into later on in our analysis of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But let's go through some of the 2020 highlights. So, like I said, there was a little bit of purpose behind them tanking so bad. They beat out the Jets, for the top draft pick. And well, the Jets beat themselves out. Yes, yeah, this is true. With with the will to win from Frank Gore, yeah. basically, like they. That was the reason that they won those yeah. games because they needed a, they needed Frank Gore to get a win, man. That's cool. Not cool for Jets fans, but anyway, beat out the Jets for the top pick in the draft. And another 2020 highlight. Obviously, there's not much for a 1-15 team, but they've got some promising young receivers. They got DJ Chark, who kind of hit a sophomore slump. Was really promising his rookie year. But this year, only finished with 53 catches, 706 yards, and five touchdowns. And in his rookie year, as I mentioned, was pretty solid. He had 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns. So, question for you. Do you think DJ Chark bounces back with a guy like Trevor Lawrence under center? I mean, you'd you'd hope so. As a a Jaguars fan, you know, you're going – to, he's he's your number one guy. You're bringing in Marvin Jones to be that number two. Lavishka Chenault, you more or less is just hoping at this point he works out after a subpar rookie season. But right. he's your number one guy. They're a lot worse number one guys in the league. He's got all the physical traits. Mm-hmm. Um, so and he's shown he can do it. Yeah, they're definitely he's expecting big things of him this year. Right. He's shown he can do it with a lot worse quarterback than Trevor Lawrence. So. I have faith. And like you said, he's got all the physical tools there. So, yeah, I got faith in DJ Chark, especially for fantasy, too. I think he's a sleeper. Tossing out fantasy pick, fantasy sleepers right now. Stay tuned. <laughs> secret, secret. Whisper, whisper. But you mentioned LaVisca Chenault. Sub, subpar rookie season, 58 catches, 600 yards, and five touchdowns. But – like DJ Chark, I think he's a guy who has a lot of the physical tools. Don't you agree? Yeah. So I think with a guy like Trevor Lawrence under center, all these receiver numbers are going to be bumped. So how they are bumped, how much is yet to be seen. But another guy we're expecting maybe an even better year, which is hard to believe after the year he had in 2020, James Robinson might be on a track for – another really solid year this year. I mean, in 2020, he finished with 240 carries, 
1,070 yards and seven rushing touchdowns and receiving 49 catches, 344 yards and three touchdowns, which is amazing for a running back. Do you, do you think James Robinson is legit? Like, do you think I, it's almost uh, similar to the, it, he's a beefed up version of the kind of season that Miles Gaskin had, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, do you think he's legit? You can bet your ass those carries are going to be cut in half because of ETN. But yeah. I, I think that if he is legit, then he'll win the job over ETN. If he's not, then he'll kind of just fall to the wayside. And he has, he's not going to have a whole lot of trade value because he's not really an elite. He doesn't have elite physical tools right? as a running back. So he's not going to be somebody that a lot of people are going to want. So it's I don't know, of, man. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. He just – A thousand yards and seven touchdowns. I mean, somebody's yeah. going to – He's good. I think it, you know, there's a reason why they took ETN. If, if they thought James Robinson was that good, they would have definitely gone elsewhere other than running back in round one. But Right. But, I mean, we'll get into ETN a little bit later. Uh, I'll save my thoughts. I'll save my thoughts. But, I mean, actually, let's get into it right now. we got the draft section. With the number one overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft, Trevor Lawrence, quarterback out of Clemson. Now, comparing him to the kind of season that Justin Herbert had, which was phenomenal for a rookie, Justin Herbert had 4,336 yards in his rookie year, over under on that. I I feel like it's got to be under. You're implementing a, you know, rookie quarterback just like Herbert but into a much worse offense than what Herbert had. Herbert had uh, Keenan Allen who's obviously one of the top 10 receivers in the league. Mike Williams who's pretty underrated. You've got Hunter Henry. The line isn't as good as Jacksonville's obviously but that was a playoff offense two years ago. Um, So and he was just plugged into that, whereas Jacksonville, this is the offense that they had last year. This is the mm-hmm. offense that they've had, and it's not – The 1-15 in 15 offense. Yeah, the 1-15 in 15 <laughs> offense, and it's not going to be, you know, as as productive, I don't think. Even though I do think that Trevor Lawrence might be a better quarterback – <laughs> Trevor Lawrence is, I don't think that's a hot take dude <laughs> Trevor, Trevor Lawrence is pretty good um, but I, I just don't think so So ball. some have said yeah, rumor has it that Trevor Lawrence is a pretty good quarterback I, like, some have said that I'm he's the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck I mean, I'm hearing that from they might, that might be hogwash I, I'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> it is yet hogwash. to be seen yeah I mean it, we're calling it. Oh, we're calling it here on Blitz and Buckets. Trevor Lawrence getting benched in Week Four, and well, he's Ryan Leaf. In Chimania. The, the the next Ryan Leaf in the NFL. But <laughs> dude, I so if you're not saying he's gonna have a Herbert type season, which was again four thousand three hundred thirty six yards and thirty one touchdowns, what do you put it at? I think it's something. I think he gets you know thirty five hundred, maybe the touchdown number could you know very well be around 30 but i think he sits at like 3500 yards something like that yeah and one thing that a lot of people don't think about when you think about trevor lawrence is the running like i think he will be 
a mobile I, I think quarterback. He, he's he can move. He's got all the athletic traits and obviously the arm strength and the processor, but he has a problem with adjusting in the pocket, moving up through the pocket, moving out when he senses pressure. He has a problem sensing pressure and like close your ears. Close yeah, your ears, yeah. like I think that could be a problem for him. I'm sorry, like that I am scrutinizing your second, third favorite I'm, quarterback. I'm surprised I don't, I don't you're know finding ranks. critiques for Trevor Lawrence. Well, right now. I, I mean, mean, there's critiques for every. I mean, how many number one? How many rookies do you not have a critique for? Like, there's something Trevor Lawrence because he's the best quarterback prospects. Can Andrew Love? There are critiques <laughs> for him. There, there's critiques to have. If Apparently. if he if he won the national championship every year, and I mean he didn't lose a game, <laughs> the national, other than against Lord. Ohio State that one year, I think he did. But I mean, they were able to walk through the ACC, so he didn't really have to. I'm not going to sit here and just kiss his feet like he's got. I'll sit here and kiss his feet. Hey, well, you have fun with that. Speed. You have fun with that. I'm sitting here trying to bring in valuable analysis for our listeners. <laughs> so I mean, anyway, anyway, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have, like you said, I agree with the offense not being obviously as well tooled as the Chargers' offense was, but <clears> oh, man, <throat> I think he's pretty much a lock for rookie of the year. A lock for rookie of the year. <laughs> Yeah, when Najee Harris exists. What a lock! There yeah. goes my valuable yeah. analysis. Yeah. It's all gone. The Homer's speaking. That back. I'm the Homer's speaking. A little bit. I'm gonna walk that back a little bit. But anyway, I, I just I find it hard to believe that there's critiques for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I I, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel feel funny about that. I don't know what to say. I'm sorry. <laughs> i'm sorry you should be but I'm sorry trevor lawrence has a problem sensing pressure with the 25th pick in the draft we were talking about it a little before they took travis Etienne, his buddy running back Clemson. <coughs> and we were talking about how he might cut in or pro- will cut in to james robinson's work but reports say he's getting a lot of work at receiver in practice and they plan to utilize him at both the running back and the wide receiver position. Now, they didn't do a lot of that. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but they weren't lining James Robinson up at wide receiver. But I think ETN has the potential to do that. Now, do I think he'll be like a primary receiver or like become a receiver? No, but I don't see him getting more carries than James Robinson this year. I mean, because he'll get a lot more touches. I don't know if he'll get a lot more carries because you're going to use him a lot more in third down situations. I think he'll be the starting back just because, you know, you want to give Trevor, make Trevor Lawrence as comfortable as possible. And Travis Etienne's going to do that. But I think the better running back is going to do that. I mean, I think James Robinson, right? I mean, what does a guy have to prove, dude? Like, he ran for 1,000 yards last year and was a great receiver yeah, back. you know, like, like James Conner had an all a season. He just had to sign a minimum contract with the Cardinals. Like, one season for a running back to have a flash-in-the-pan year isn't that 
uncommon. So I think James Conner wasn't out here. There's a reason. There's a reason why he was undrafted. There's a reason why he was undrafted. I know, like obviously, no undrafted player probably ever has had a thousand yard season in his rookie year, but there's a reason why he was undrafted. He doesn't have the elite physical tools to get noticed by a team that would want to draft him. And luckily the Jaguars were able to snag him up and give him the high production rate that allowed him to get to all those yards. But Travis Etienne has everything that you... Travis Etienne has everything that James Robinson doesn't. And that's the reason why he was picked in the first round. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, who do you think gets more? We were debating a little bit on Twitter, sending messages back and forth because you seem to be a primary believer that Najee is going to get a lot of receiving work this year. Like he's going to get a, catch a lot of balls. So who do you think gets more catches in 2021? Najee or Travis? Najee, just because he's always going to be the running back on the field. There is no James Robinson in Pittsburgh. Najee is not lining up at receiver. That's practice. Dude, I promise you, he may, he may have 20 snaps at receiver next year. May. He might have 20. And that's just because the receivers suck. Hey, hey man. I think you're not like James Robinson is like he ran for a thousand yards, dude. Like, I think he's gonna be a primary primarily the rushing running back, and Travis is gonna be the receiving back. And he's yeah, going to catch a ton of passes. Field. And I don't think James Robinson is going to catch as many passes this year. So if you're using a running back primarily at pick number 25 as a receiving back, I think that guy gets more catches than Najee Harris. I don't know, because we do throw the ball pretty quickly. And the quickest the wide board, open – the, the quickest wide bet. open receiver. That's a bet. Virtual right. handshake. All right. There Put we go. There. Not, Put uh, her there. I hope DTN tears his ACL. Scrub. Oh, jeez. <laughs> we're we're wishing young running backs out here an ill fate. Whoa. I gotta, I gotta win we're, not, up, we're not that kind of podcast, man. <laughs> You're not that kind of podcast. <laughs> getting big. We're getting violent. Anyway, with the 33rd pick, they ended up with Tyson Campbell. <coughs> back out of Georgia. Any thoughts there? Um. Dang, it was that cough, dude. In case anybody didn't know, because I'm I'm sure we're bound to get coughs in this podcast included. Madeline with a sinus infection. Jaden's fighting for his life out here, man. Yeah. Um uh, fun quick fun story about a sinus infection. I got a sinus infection, got onto a plane, and I could not hear because there was so much pressure in my ears for three weeks. In case anybody wanted to know that <laughs> fun fact about that. myself, it, I, it sounded like I was underwater. So it made me want to blow my head off for three weeks. How Any kind of, I could, dude, I, it happened this past semester or <laughs> my fall semester at college. Like I'd be in the elevator with my roommates and I could not hear. I'd be like, what? Like over and over again. And so most of the day I'd just sit in my room because I couldn't have a conversation with anybody because I couldn't hear. So <laughs> Listen to music or watch a show or something? No, like I couldn't. Li- nope, couldn't do either because I can't hear. <laughs> nope, I just sit in silence in my chair and look well, down at the it, floor. It's, it's, all, it's, it's all silence. It doesn't matter. You can sit there with music blaring. It's all silence to you. Underwater noises. Anyway, 
Any thoughts on the Tyson Campbell at defensive back draft pick or not? I, I like Tyson Campbell. I'm glad that he came off the ball. I think Asante Samuel was the better player, but, you know, different schemes fit, different scheme fits, whatever. But I will say I really do like the Walker little pick at 45 because mm-hmm. mm, two years ago, because he tore his ACL and then he opted out. He had the COVID opt out. Um, but before that, he was the number two tackle in this class. And if you can get a guy like that, that, you know, had one point had that amount of promise in the second round and there's a huge need at left tackle. So you throw a dart there at a high upside guy, love the pick. Right. And in case anybody wanted to know, he was the Mel Kuyper's eighth best tackle in the draft. So that always bodes well. So with that, let's get into the free agency offseason stuff. We'll start with the head coaching change. Fired head coach Doug Marone. Never been a huge fan of Doug Marone. Always thought he was pretty average. And they ended up going with a guy who's not so average, Urban Meyer. How do you think Urban Meyer fares in the NFL? I, th- I think he's a culture change guy. I don't know if I love him being there. Like, I, I just – eh. Like – He's an okay addicts guy. He most of the stuff's gonna go to, you know, offensive and defensive coordinators, but he's he's a culture change guy. He's gonna be somebody that's going to try and attract free agents. Right. It brings and, a lot of excitement know. to Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's something that they need. I mean, obviously Trevor Lawrence brings a good bit of excitement to Jacksonville, but right. you know, he brings some serious hype there. Now you got yeah. the historic college coach with the crazy college quarterback prospect with the good college running back prospect. Like there's a lot going on. Right. Um, so I like it as far as a culture change goes, but I don't know if I like him as a schematics coach. Yeah. Okay. I mean, for a one in 15 team, I will say Jacksonville's doing it right. Like first step in the offseason. They're in need like, of a, they're in need of a culture change. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to go, uh, being a one in 15 team, they are taking all the right steps to become exciting. And for the first time, in, right? You know, feels like a long time where they've made the right since, steps other than that one flash in the year. Yeah, since Lenny was like the guy and Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> since the four and eight years. <laughs> That's weird. But that was an exciting team, but obviously have fallen pretty far since then. <laughs> right back to the number one pick. Yeah. Let's get into the notable losses in free agency. I mean, not super notable. They lost Keelan Cole, wide receiver. He ends up going to the Jets on a one-year $5.5 million deal. And they lost Chris Conley, who ended up going to Houston on a one-year $1.5 million deal. But like I said, not too significant there. But on the notable ad side, kind of some exciting stuff. Shaquille Griffin, they ended up bringing – him in from Seattle, the solid corner, three years, $40 million. Should I say it? I'm thinking about saying something. He's the Griffin brother with both hands. I don't think the Griffin brothers are uh, tuning into this. So uh, I hope not. Yeah. They bring in the fully capable Shaquille Griffin on a three-year $40 million deal. He was also an NFL player. He was not fully capable. <laughs> no. But – Obviously, killed him there. (laughs) Stop. No more. The Griffin brothers are going to catch one of this. And we'll we'll cut 
we'll they're touch. gonna beat me with all three hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez, I'm cracking myself up. <laughs> anyway, they bring in Shaquille Griffin, three years, forty million dollars. Obviously, a very talented corner. They bring in Rashawn Jenkins, safety out of the Chargers of Los Angeles, on a four-year, thirty-five and a half million dollar deal. And what do you think of those ads on defense? I mean, that's a lot of money to be handing out to secondary guys. Uh, I like Shaquille Griffin. I think that was a pretty good signing. I do not like Rayshon Jenkins. He was very bit of an overpay. I just don't – he doesn't do anything extremely well. And to pay him $9 million a year when you're trying to – Yeah, that's a hefty Especially contract. a four-year, almost 40, you know, you're trying to put together a defense here. And I don't really think he's much of an upgrade over the guys that you had, even though the guys that you had were also pretty bad. Right. Solid. They also added Marvin Jones, wide receiver out of Detroit, the vet on a two-year $12.5 million deal. And honestly, besides DJ Chark, he might even be better than DJ Chark. I like Marvin Jones a lot. I've always liked him uh, in Detroit. He did a lot of good things. And he had, honestly, a pretty solid season without Kenny Galladay there. So I think Marvin Jones is in line for a good year. And on the smaller side – they bring in Philip Dorsett out of Seattle, wide receiver, one-year, $1 million deal. And they bring in Carlos Hyde, the former Ohio State sensation, who had a pretty solid year with Seattle when Chris Carson wasn't doing so well, on a two-year, $4.5 million deal. So also wanted to touch on the Tim Tebow stuff. Should I say it? <laughs> Tim Tebow, they sign him, tight end. I, I like I this was mind-blowing for me I thought Tim Tebow was just going to dedicate himself to broadcasting like I thought he seemed pretty content with that but obviously not over under on one touchdown pass for Tim Tebow this year I don't even think he makes the team I I think he makes the team but like I mean they maybe, wouldn't go maybe out. he's like a locker room guy I mean their tight end room is really thin with like O'Shaughnessy like he's nothing but I don't think Tebow has a whole lot of upside. I honestly think he has a higher chance of like being like a, I think he'll be Coach. a good special teamer. Yeah. yeah. Or like, just like a guy, like if he gets hurt, he has a better chance of making the team hurt than he does healthy. That I think that's honestly an accurate statement. Like, I think he's going to be more of a coach than a player. Like kind of like a, he's just a culture guy. Like he's a good dude. Right. Exactly. Like almost like Haslam on the heat yeah. you know yeah. like Haslam didn't really play but he was like a coach as yeah. or like Jawan Howard in, in the later years yeah. like if we're looking for NBA comparisons because like I can't remember something like this happening in oh, the yeah, NFL this is, that's before. why that's why I was such an uproar over it because it's like as weird as it is to say like a guy who might not even make the team getting a contract it's like unprecedented having a yeah. player that hasn't played in 10 years like to get a contract at a different position and especially when it was Tim Tebow who was such a big name that he was and not right. being talented yeah I I don't get it like I didn't get it when it happened but obviously Urban Meyer has some kind of idea of what they're gonna do with Tim Tebow I think yeah honestly I don't I don't think he makes a touchdown pass this year I don't know if he catches any balls like I I don't know maybe for Fan value. They'll throw him out there for a couple times. He had the couple. top five highest selling jerseys. 
This is true. It's different variations of Tim Tebow jerseys with the highest selling. When you just got the number one generational quarterback, you go buy a Tim Tebow jersey. It's Tim Tebow, dude, in Florida. Come oh, on, yeah. man. It's going to go crazy. But with that, let's move on. 2021 outlook for the Jags. Ceiling, floor, what you got? Um, I see a ceiling of like six wins, a floor. A uh, ceiling of seven wins, a floor of like three. Yeah. The, the, uh, the good thing that they do have, though, is a solid offensive line, which, you know, usually gives you a high floor. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just don't have, like, secondary is not good. The Well, their corners are good. It, they're okay. Their safeties are bad. Their linebackers are bad. Their run defense is bad. Their pass rush is bad. Right. Like, they, there's just a lot going on. They, they need another year or two of rebuilding. Yeah. I mean, I can't really disagree with you there. I think you put the ceiling floor pretty accurately. So, with that, let's move on to another miserable team in this wonderful division, the Houston Texans, who are a sad excuse for a franchise right now. Let's get into some of the 2020 highlights or downfalls of the Houston Texans. Let's start with the Bill O'Brien They fired Bill O'Brien, who served as both head coach and GM after week four. And there was a lot of stuff that came out that said that he was like pretty abusive, like to his players and obviously not physically abusive. But because I think I think NFL players could stand a chance. Yeah, I feel like NFL players like DeAndre Hopkins could probably stand their own against Bill O'Brien. But I've heard he's just like was really toxic and was just bad. So they fired him after week four. And for the rest of the year, pretty dismal. They had struggles on defense. They allowed the third most total yards in the league. But their offense, pretty solid. But the main component of that offense was a guy that most likely won't, well, pretty much guaranteed won't wear a Houston Texan jersey anymore. And that is Mr. Deshaun Watson, who had a great year. He finished with 4,823 yards passing, which was number one in the league, which I thought was pretty surprising, like when I went back and looked at the stats. But he finished with 33 touchdowns, which was seventh in the league, and seven interceptions, and also finished with 444 yards rushing and three touchdowns. But – like I said, probably not going to wear a Houston section jersey anymore. He wasn't present at the OTAs, despite the lawsuit that is been yeah, brewing. I, I think the lawsuit keeps him out more so than the trade request. I agree. Because I agree. He, there, there, I mean, there he is lost a, all of his leverage, dude. Oh, like, there is a serious chance that he never plays football again, much right. less in Houston. Exactly. Like it's it's not looking good, and I like I don't want to get like political or whatever but when i first saw it i was like okay this this could very well be a front office stint or a you know agent trying to get him out of there but when they just kept on coming like it and deshaun watson and then the other thing is because he's a super stand-up dude came Mm -hmm. from you know a good home has always been good with the community has been amazing off the field for houston 
Dabo. That threw everybody for a loop. Like nobody believed it for a second. Right. Um, but when, but when they just kept coming, people. it was really it was really hard to ignore. Yeah, it's like 20, 20 accusations from yeah. twenty different people. Oh yeah, like it was it was not good. I'm not like obviously it's pretty present in the NFL today when you see the accusations that come out like in singular form, like yeah. oh, like and they. I've I mean, never some seen of them, them come out in thirty form. Right. Exactly. Like I think I don't think he gets traded this year. Honestly. Yeah. Like, I think it's just really dismal. And it's just hard for me to believe that he's still, like, going to hold out. Like, he wasn't present at OTAs. And he's expected well, to skip the mandatory minicamp. But I, I think, think once they figure all this, I don't know what the court situation is on all this, but, like, I don't think he's going to be allowed to play football, whether it be from, you know, the state of Texas or from the NFL. The NFL. Right. Yeah. I mean, he could be fa- – I don't, like – like you said, I don't know any of the legal stuff, but it seems like you could face jail time for something like this, you know? So anyway, let's move on from the Deshaun Watson stuff and let's get into David Johnson, who has continued to prove has been the bummer part of the DeAndre Hopkins, David Johnson trade. He finished with 147 carries, 691 yards and six touchdowns and receiving 33 catches, 314 yards and the incorporate there was a lot of incorporation of Duke Johnson but I think a lot of the reason was because David Johnson was just that bad you know like Duke Johnson is the most average running back you'll ever meet in the league and he's the most level yeah right but there was a lot of incorporation of him and that just speaks to how bad that David Johnson was like do you think there's any hope in the revival of David Johnson's career? I, I just don't think at this point, especially in a running back's career, it's really hard to have a revival. Just yeah. Right. Like we were just talking about it earlier, like flash in the pan running backs, it's pretty common. Like he had that insane year with Arizona and really hasn't done a whole ton since. You know, he tore the ACL and was it an ACL tear. I know it was season ending. Yeah, it was something. Like, I know it was a leg. I don't know. It was a leg injury or a knee injury right. or something, something on the bottom half of his body. But he went first round in every fantasy draft in the on the planet and then yeah. got injured and hasn't been the same since. So, I yeah, I agree. I can't wait for our fantasy content. Huh? I can't wait for our fantasy content. Oh, yeah, for sure. We're going to do a whole episode. So stay tuned. Stay tuned for the fantasy episode. It's going to be fun. But let's get into more of the Texans. One guy that, honestly, I might have left for dead, and I think a lot of people did, Brandon Cooks had a hell of a year, which is hard to believe. Like, you wouldn't think that Brandon Cooks had one of the better years among wide receivers, but he finished with 81 catches, 1,150 yards, and six touchdowns. Do you think Brandon Cooks can put up that sort of production another year? Like, do you think he's back? Not without Deshaun Watson, no. Yeah. Agreed. But, I mean, it was a good season when they were throwing the ball that much. Whoever is playing in that spot is going to put up production. So, Exactly. I mean, Deshaun was just throwing to the most talented receiver on the roster, and anybody could have picked it. Just, it was, man, like, you're going to target those guys that are better, obviously. <laughs> Expert analysis. You're going to target the guys that are better. 
Come to Blitz and Blockets for absolutely fantastic analysis. But let's get into the free agency offseason stuff for the Texans. They hired head coach Dave Cully. And not a huge fan of this signing. I will say this is not a slander. I mean, it's kind of some Raven slander. He served as a wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator for the Ravens in 2019 and 2020. Hmm. Didn't seem like there was a lot of wide receiver play and passing game coordinating going on between 2019 and 2020. So I'm not sure what his job was during that time, but if you're hired again, like that's terrible. Like it, he might just be one of those leader of men culture types. No, that's, dude. That's, Have you seen the interviews? He's the most run of the mill guy ever. He's like average. Like he did it, Super, like, the guy in Detroit, I don't even know his name, but that guy. Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell. That guy is awesome. Like, he comes out at his first game – or introduce it, introduction presser. Yeah. And we're like, going to come up and you're going to knock us down, but then we're going to come back and we're going to buy another chunk off. Right. That's a culture change. David Culley, not a culture change. So let's get into the notable losses on the free agency side for the Texans. They lost J.J. Watt, ends up going to Arizona, two years, $28 million. And they lost Will Fuller, who ends up going to Miami on a one-year, $10.6 million deal. I mean, all of the big names in Houston are headed out of town, <laughs> like packing their bags. Let's get into the notable ads, which is pretty dismal. Tyrod Taylor. One year, $5.5 million. I think Tyrod Taylor probably starts this year. Do you think, barring a punctured lung by the team doctor? Yeah. Barring a punctured think, lung, of course. That's not a promise. But. I think Tyrod Taylor, like I said, barring any unfortunate injuries, I think he'll be the starter for the year, and I think he's a talented quarterback. I think he'll I mean, put up. He's probably the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. You think? He play he plays it safe, but I mean, outside of maybe Drew Locke, Jalen Hurts, like I Jaylen think Jones. he's yeah, he's probably right in that bottom five. I mean, I, how can you say that though? We haven't really seen it like since yeah, he was in I Buffalo. Mean, he hasn't really been given a chance. It's just been Mister Unfortunate. Yeah, I guess, but he never yeah, I mean, showed. He never showed to be one of those guys we follow either. Right. He was I just, mean, he's a backup for a reason, you know, and it's a five point five million dollar contract for a reason. But one free agency signing that we'll hype up a little more: Philip Lindsay, one year, three point two five million dollars out of Denver. I think Philip Lindsay's a really, really good running back. Like, I don't think he's one of the top tier guys in the NFL, but I think he's really. He talented. just, he just doesn't. He's he's good. He just doesn't have the elite, like the elite elite physical tools. Yeah, to be one of those top top guys. Right, but he can catch passes and yeah. he can run yeah, the ball. He can, he's a uh, jack of all trades, master of none kind of guy. Yeah, but I'll sing the praise of Philip Lindsay. Like I think he'll be great. I think he'll definitely finish with a better season than Dave Johnson. Yeah. So. Also signed Desmond King, cornerback, Tennessee, one year, $3 million. They signed Christian Kirksey, linebacker out of Green Bay, one year, $3 million. 
And they signed Mr. Mark Ingram out of Baltimore. One year, $2.5 million. So also wanted to mention that in the draft, it gets even worse because they didn't have a first round pick or a second round pick. They traded a first round pick for Laramie Tunsil. And I'm not sure where the second round pick went. Do you know? Uh, that was, I think that was also for Laramie. They sent a lot for Laramie Tunsil. That yeah. was a lot. But I, I was very unhappy with the pick of Davis Mills who was the quarterback out of Stanford and the third round, I think that was probably one of the, you know, one of the worst picks in the draft as far as circumstance goes, not that he's a bad player, but you're the Houston Texans, you know, you have one of the worst rosters in the league outside of Sean Watson and Sean Watson didn't play in this year. You're going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. You're going to have a top five pick, if not, you know, top three, if not the number one pick in the draft this year, you're going to take your quarterback. Why would right. you why would you take a quarterback in the third round when you could use that on a uh, you know anything anything <laughs> anything in the receiving core just pretty much anything outside of a left tackle which you already have in Laramie Tunsil you could have taken any other position other than quarterback because he's he's not playing this year because you've got Tyrod Taylor and you don't really feel the need to and if you have a top pick next year best believe you're not betting everything on Davis Mills there's no reason for that draft pick at all. So for, for that to be your first pick of the draft, horrible. Yeah. Horrible, I mean, it's horrible. just dismal in Houston, dude. Like it's, there's it's no pretty bleak. Right yeah. So with that nice segue into the 2021 outlook, I'll put their ceiling at six wins and I'll put their floor at one. I put their floor at zero. Yeah. I, I think I was trying to be nice. The only game that I do think they could win, maybe, because they do have Jacksonville week one. I remember looking at their schedule. They have Jacksonville week one, and, you know, maybe you catch them. You know, you're playing a rookie quarterback. You know, you catch them before they build up some chemistry and stuff. I but, think Tyrod Taylor could win a few games. Yeah. It, I, I think Tyrod Taylor could. I don't think the rest of the team can. Yeah. Like this they're they're really they're really bad. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not not a not an owner of Texans futures. No. No. At least and in the immediate a, future. That's this is true. So let's move on from the really bleak teams in the division and let's, let's move get on some to the smiles going. Yeah, exactly. Let's let's get a little hype on the podcast. Let's get let's get a little happy. And we get into the Indianapolis Colts right here. They finished 11 and five in 2020. They ended up losing to Buffalo in the playoffs in a close game, you know, and 2020 highlights. Let's hop into it. They had a top 10 offense and defense in 2020 and their offense led by old man rivers, the man with, how many kids does this guy have? Like eight? I think it's at nine because I saw a graphic today. It was like the most pointless graphic ever of him. Like one of the – it had like passing yards, passing touchdowns. It was him and Joe Burrow. And the last one was kids. And it said <laughs> Philip Rivers nine, Joe Burrow zero. Phil, Phil Rivers is better than Joe Burrow. You heard it here because of the amount of kids that he has. Yeah. But 
I mean, as much as you want to make fun of Philip Rivers, I didn't have a lot of faith in the year for him, but he finished with 4,169 yards passing, 24 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. And he did retire following the season, which rightfully so. The man has nine kids, and he's pretty goddamn old. But yeah. old man Rivers. Yeah. Do you think old man Rivers makes the Hall of Fame, though? I don't, I don't think, think he's so. hauling. I, I don't think he's first ballot. I think maybe in time, but like I feel like he hasn't really won anything, dude. Yeah, that's the thing. Like Eli, Eli had two Super Bowls. Yeah, and then Big Ben was like the best of both worlds. Yeah, the production and the Super Bowl wins, right? Out of, out of that class, anyway, because that they're always going to be compared with each other, right? Um, but yeah, he just couldn't couldn't get it done. He had the, some of the best teams. Of the last 20, like, that 08 team was because Mitchell, our resident Chargers fan, <laughs> has mentioned to me many times about how that team had the number one offense and the number one defense and missed the playoffs. Terrible. Because they had the number 32 special teams. <laughs> special teams wins games, guys. Yeah. You heard it here first. It's no longer defense. <laughs> it's your kickers and punters. That's the truth. But I will obviously. I'm not like he had a great career, like really solid oh, quarterback, yeah. one of the better quarterbacks, one of the better solid quarterbacks ever. Yeah, I, I, I'd yeah. say he's a no. He's a good quarterback. He just wasn't able to win anything. Right. Like, he just exactly. wasn't able to get over the hump as far yeah. as winning is. Yeah, and it's hard. It's hard to win Super Bowls, man. <laughs> In case you didn't know. Yeah. So, but let's hop into some more stuff from the Indianapolis Colts. 2020 highlights they did have really promising running backs and I'll start with Marlon Mack who didn't even have a 2020 season he tore his Achilles in week one but he's coming back and he proved in 2019 that he's a pretty solid running back but you got a pretty solid guy behind him in Jonathan Taylor the one of the better running backs in that draft class And he had a great year once they let him loose. 232 carries, 1,169 yards, and 11 touchdowns. And, you know, on a side note, 36 catches, 299 yards, and one touchdown. You think Jonathan Taylor is a future all-pro running back? I'd say he's a future pro bowl running back. I don't know about all-pro. I think he sits in the very good category for a little bit, but I I don't know. Yeah. Something, Something about him just makes me feel like he's going to be good not great for a good for a, for a while right but he'll never he'll never eclipse into that truly elite category yeah like he doesn't have like off the charts like physical abilities or anything like i don't yeah i agree but also more running backs in the running room there you got naheem hines who didn't do a lot of running but hell of a receiving back 63 catches 63 catches man for a running back it's insane. And 482 yards. And they also got Jordan Wilkins there, who, I mean, probably fizzle out, but also a young running back who might have some potential. They got the receiving weapons there, young guys. You got Michael Pittman Jr., who we, we had some debates about Michael Pittman Jr. I don't like that was just such a weird, like, yeah, we argue about Lamar. What podcast doesn't? Name me one podcast that's ever had a conversation about Michael Pittman. If you don't I'd, have hashtag Michael Pittman in the Instagram post, 
You know how many Michael Pittman truthers we're going to have on this show? <laughs> I'll sing the praises of Michael Pittman Jr., dude. I did – I put the uh, his college accolades in here just because I expected some some thrashing back about mentioning the name of Michael Pittman. He was a two-time first-team All-Pac-12 for USC, dog. Come on. I don't care. That's a, pro- <laughs> That's a promising young receiver, dude. But in his rookie year, finished with 40 catches, 503 yards, and a touchdown. Second round pick in 2020, I think he'll have a pretty solid NFL career. And then you got Zach Pascal there, 44 catches, 629 yards, and five touchdowns. And finally, signs of life from T.Y. Hilton, dude. Jeez, he was – I called him for dead in like week two. I was like, I don't think his career is probably over. But – he ends up with 56 catches, 762 yards, and five touchdowns. So, love to see it. T.Y., one of my favorite receivers when I was, like, getting huge. Yeah, the T.Y. Like, that was one of the celebrations I did, like, when we play, like, playground football. I did right. T.Y. for some godforsaken reason. Exactly. You know what my go-to was? What was that? The Victor Cruz salsa dance. That was one of mine. And weirdly enough, as much as I slander him – cam newton the superman like i mean obviously everybody when you're that young loves cam newton but i would do that like that was no one would have any idea what i was doing at first because i (laughs) I, like was on it because i'm I'm, i was like always like the weird kid that was like too into sports (laughs) well nobody's gonna have any idea what ty is (laughs) anybody doesn't watch a significant amount of football yeah exactly that celebration looks like you're pretty Confused. <laughs> but anyway, highlights on the defense for the Colts. Darius Leonard, obviously one of the better linebackers in the NFL. Finished with 86 solo tackles in the NFL last year. Seventh in the league. You got DeForest Buckner, defensive tackle, 9.5 sacks. And Kenny Moore finished with four interceptions and 12 passes defended. So and obviously a top 10 defense. So those are some of the bigger names there. But let's get into the free agency and offseason stuff. And the most significant, Carson Wentz. Hello, Ginger. Thought I'd say that. Gang, gang. Ended up trading for Carson Wentz in the offseason for a third round pick and a conditional second that could turn into a first. Do you think Carson Wentz? has a revival of his career in Indianapolis this year. I think if he were to have a revival anywhere, I think it's here. This is the system that was made very easy for Phil Rivers. I think they're going to bring a lot of the same stuff back to try and ease Carson Wentz back into, you know, the way he's able to play, because I think a lot of his issue is confidence. I really mm-hmm. do. I, I yeah, think me that too. the Eagles didn't have faith in him. And then you draft Jalen Hurts, which shows you really don't have faith in him. Yeah. That and Eagles organization, dude, like they treat, they mistreated Carson Wentz to the max. Like yeah. I just, it, it was a confidence thing. I totally agree. Like so, you, I, I do think that he has a resurgence. I think it'll start slow, but I think, you know, by its time starting making a playoff push, I think he comes into form. And I honestly think that, they win that division, regardless of what's going on in Tennessee right now. We'll get to that in a minute, but I, wow. I do like that's that a hot take, dude. Division. I do, I do. 
Wow. And if and if he's if he sucks this year, I've got nothing left. I've got nothing left to defend Carson Wentz because he got out of the bad situation. He'll hopefully be healthy. I, I got nothing if he can't figure it out this he's year. He's been given one of the best teams in the NFL. Yeah. So if you can't do anything with that, it's out. It, it's Audi for Carson Wentz. But I totally and you agree with you. Got the best line in the NFL too. Right. Exactly. I think definitely agree with you. It was a huge confidence problem. Like I feel it. And it's good to see, like he was so unhappy, dude. Like you could just tell the man was just sad about the whole situation. And then he comes to Indianapolis and he's shooting, doing knockout at men or OTAs with former VCU basketball player, Mo Ali Cox. Like, and he just looked like he was having fun. Like I'm happy for my guy, Carson. Like, you love to see it. So let's move on from the Carson Wentz talk and let's get to the notable losses. They end up losing Danico Autry, who ends up going to Tennessee on a three-year, $21.5 million deal. And they lost Anthony Walker Jr., linebacker, who ended up going to Cleveland on a one-year, $3 million deal. And on the notable ad side, they end up with Eric Fisher, left tackle at Kansas City. One year, $9.4 million deal. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I just – I don't know when he'll be coming back. I think he'll be rehabbing with the team for a good portion of the beginning of the season. But – because it was a blown Achilles that late. So and that's usually like an eight-ish month recovery. So he'll probably be, you know, rearing up around October. But – He'll be a nice replacement for Costanzo. He was one of the only left tackle replacements that they could have got. I'm surprised that they didn't draft Darisol because, like, I remember watching the draft and I was being like, wow, this is perfect scenario. Darisol, who was, you know, arguably a top 14, 15 pick, falls to them all the way at 22. They don't have to move up – or 21. They don't have to move all the way up to get him. Perfect. And then they just didn't take him. But – I think Eric Fisher will be pretty solid. He'll be good enough, you know, to especially with Quentin Nelson on that side and the rest of that line being as good as it is, he'll be more than fine. Right. Agreed. And on the re-signing side, they bring back T.Y. Hilton on a one-year $8 million deal. That's just like – that seems a lot for T.Y., dude. Like, for a little bit of resurgence, you're going to give the guy $8 million in the back half of his career? I don't know. I mean, if – if he can sustain they couldn't what get he any did. of the other receivers. Yeah. So I think TY might have gotten a lot of attention because the receivers were the receiver market kind of got small pretty late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think bringing in a guy like TY on a one year $8 million deal, it just seems, just seems kind of off for me. But if he can keep up what he was doing in the last half of the season, I mean, all the power to him. They also bring back Xavier Rhodes on a one-year $4.7 million deal, and they bring back Marlon Mack, as I mentioned before, on a one-year $2 million deal. But Marlon will probably sit behind Jonathan Taylor now. So in the draft, with the number 21 pick in the first round, you're going to have to help me with this, dude. Quitty pay. Quitty pay? I should let you. I should let you go. See how you say it, and then correct. Because <laughs> I think that brings. I think that's going to bring some viewership. Quitty Pay, defensive end out of Michigan. Mel Kuyper's third defensive end, best defensive end in the draft. What are your thoughts there? I know you'd rather see Darius but yeah. I mean, Edge was another 
place of need for them. Obviously, they got the Forrest Buckner in the middle, but they didn't really have a whole lot of edge. Uh, last year it was Justin Houston, but he's still a free agent. So, and he's I, like a hundred years old. Yeah, and also he's a hundred years old. Yeah. But you you don't have many other needs on this team other than edge, and Jack Doyle was good. He's not great, but you don't really need to replace tight end, and there's nobody worth taking there. Right. Um, so, oh, dude, I have I have faith in Mo Ali Cox. I just think he's a badass. Oh uh, yeah, and Mo Ali Cox. Yeah. But yeah, Quiddy Pay, pretty good pick. The only other player that I would have rather had there would have been Christian Tarasol. But yeah. yeah. They also take, you know what? Let me go on this one. Number 54 pick in the draft, they took Deo Odiabingo. You didn't Odi- even read it. It's Odayingbo. I, I didn't read it. Yes, I did. Odayingbo. <laughs> It's a bunch of words scrambled together to me, man. Yeah, I know. You really have to look, go letter by letter. But okay. Deo, uh, the defensive end out of Vanderbilt, Mel Kuyper's 10th best defensive end. They bring some more help to the end. Love to see that. Any thoughts? Uh, I didn't. I don't know. He didn't really have the physical traits, didn't have a whole lot of great film. Not really. A big Odayingbo fan. <laughs> Fair enough. So with that, 2021 outlook for the Colts, obviously pretty high for you. What's the ceiling? What's the floor? I'm putting the ceiling at 13 wins, and then the, the it's very volatile. I think the floor could end up being like six, but the ceiling is like 13. Just because of Carson I, Wentz. Yeah, and I think, I think they end up hitting that ceiling because I am a Carson Wentz believer. If I'm not a Carson Wentz believer, I'm putting them at like six because a roster like that is way too good to you know, not win that many games, but they're right. going to get four free wins from Jacksonville and Houston. And I don't, I haven't really looked that deep into their schedule, but it's not towards the highest as far as hardest schedules go in the league. But mm-hmm. No, dude, I have, I mean, I don't think, I don't agree with you. I don't think they'll win the division, which we can get into later with the Titans talk, but I think, they had a top 10 offensive defense last year. And I think Carson Wentz has the potential to even have a better year than Phillip Rivers did last year. So I'll put the ceiling at, I mean, I'll stick with you. What was it? 13 and six. That's a pretty big spread. And it's all because yeah, of Carson I, Wentz. I think that's like, I think that has to be the biggest spread that we've had. Right. Exactly. Especially considering where 13 wins is like that usually wins you the division six wins couldn't have you top 10 pick in the draft. Yeah. It's interesting. But it all lies on the shoulders of Mr. Wentz. So with that, let's get into the Tennessee Titans, who finished 11-5 and five in 2020. They ended up losing to Baltimore in the playoffs. Congratulations, Baltimore. Finally getting that monkey off your back. I love to see. I mean, Maybe. like, I'm, I don't hate the Ravens at all. Yes, I did love to see. Like, I hate Lamar Jackson, dude. I just, like, I don't – not going to get in Lamar Jackson talk. Yes, you are. I can stop myself. But, yeah, I love to see them go out in the Tennessee logo and just flex. Like, that's what football is about, baby. Like, I, I'd love to see that. So, 2020 highlights. Let's get into it. Bottom five defense in 2020. Third best offense in 2020. And that offense led by quarterback Ryan Tannethrill. 
Love to see it. I'm a huge Tannehill guy, dude. Yeah, I've always I was been a, a huge Tannehill guy when he came back, and then like everybody was like, "Oh, he might be a top five quarterback in the NFL." It's like, whoa, yeah, man. slow down there. I like Tannehill though. I, I really do. I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about him. I like him. I just don't know. How I, feel <laughs> I like him, but I don't know how I feel about. Him. <laughs> yeah, I, I like him, but I don't know how good he is. Or. I don't know how I feel about how good he is, but I like him as a player. Yeah. Yeah. I've always liked him as a player and I like him a lot as a football. Like I think he'll do pretty well this year. I mean, he had a great 2020. He finished with 3,819 yards, 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions. He also rushed for seven touchdowns. So I want to propose to you a question. Do you think Mr. Ryan Tannethrill could be the Titans quarterback for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. I think your job is made a lot easier when six to seven guys run into your backfield every time looking for a certain someone. So then you're looking at man coverage one-on-one with no deep safeties and, you know, you just got to make the throw, but he's done that and he's made the throw more times than not. And right. he's been able to, you know, push them through the playoffs the last few years. So I don't see why he wouldn't be their franchise. Yeah, exactly. I don't think they have any reason not to. Right. He's at a revival in Tennessee, and I love to see it out of a guy like Tannehill. And he's not a one-dimensional guy either. Like, he doesn't just sit in the pocket. Like, he's got those seven rushing touchdowns. But if you just watch a Titans game, like, you can see that he's mobile, you know. So, also, the major highlight, I would say, out of Tennessee last year, Mr. Derek king henry who finished with i felt like it was pretty quietly he finished oh, with three yeah. dude like, that was the like i remember obviously with adrian peterson because that's i think that may be the only other 2000 rushing yard season that i've seen since i've cj2k well, i was he was what oh eight i was like five yeah so i couldn't really but well, i was this, six so i remember it like <laughs> it was yesterday I, I remember every single game <laughs> but um Obviously, with Adrian Peterson, it was a little different because he was, like, really close to the rushing record. Plus, he was just coming off the ACL tear that season. So, like, it, and everybody was talking about it. But 2,000 yards, and it felt like it was like, oh, wow, Derrick Henry finished with 2,000 yards. Cool. And just, like, move on. Right. Exactly. And there was not, not a whole lot of talk for it. Exactly. Like, I don't get it. 378 carries, dude. Holy shit. 378 carries, dude. That's like monstrous. But he seemed to handle it pretty well. Yeah, but, when you're that big. Yeah. You do yeah. handle that pretty well. He's a pretty fig, Bella, I would say. You like my reversal of the first words? You like that? Please I think that's going to get a lot of laughs, though. <laughs> but another highlight from the 2020 season out of Tennessee – you got A.J. Brown having a really solid campaign, 70 catches, 1,000 yards, and 11 touchdowns. And I think a bit, I mentioned as the in the highlights that head coach Mike Rabel with another good season. Like, I just love Mike Rabel, dude. Like, I think he's the perfect head coach that you're looking for nowadays. Like, players coach. Like, yeah. that's what you need, you know? Mm-hmm. He's perfect. Like I keep every time I think of Mike Vrabel. Did you see the video of him going back and forth with Brady at yeah. camp? 
That was hilarious, dude. Like, I love Vrabel. But I want to, like, looking at these stats, dude, it's hard to believe that you can get 2,000 yards out of a running back and 3,000 yards out of a quarterback. Like, well, close to 4,000 yards out of a quarterback. Like, that, that team is scary, man. And they become even scarier in the free agency and the offseason section. And with the most recent news, like literally two days ago, Julio Jones, Mr. Mega Wide Receiver. After we talked about the Shannon Sharp debate, it didn't take long for him to be dealt. He ends up going to Tennessee after A.J. Brown. The recruiting videos were hilarious, and obviously they did something. Uh, there was probably some behind-the-scenes talk with A.J. Brown and Julio. Yeah, but I imagine so. Yeah. But he ends up going to Tennessee and the Falcons, it's debatable what they got back. Like, I mean, it's not debatable. It's not debatable what they got back, but should that be Julio's value? Did they really get a second round pick? Yeah, did they? It's only rumored that this was the return. But Some people they, are saying it's a second round pick. I think otherwise. Uh, others say it's a seven. <laughs> we'll see. But they end up getting a 2022 second round pick, a 2023 fourth round pick, and a sixth round pick for Julio. The Atlanta well, Falcons do. It was it was a it was a second and a fourth to uh, Atlanta for Julio and a sixth. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Misquote. My bad. My bad, guys. But anyway, there's been a lot of debate. There was a lot of uproar on Twitter among a lot of NFL players that they didn't believe that Julio was worth that. Like they thought he was worth a lot more. What are your thoughts? I think it was just because, I mean, the Falcons literally couldn't sign their rookies. They were that pressed up against the cap. So like you, it was, it was a year for to be buying. If you're buying in this year, you were in great shape because you were able to get players for cheap because teams were so pressed up against the cap that they had to move on from these Julio Jones type contracts. They just couldn't afford to pay him. They, they had no chance, but to trade him and the Titans knew that. Um, and that's why they were able to give up so little to get him because they, they couldn't go into the season with him. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and it was made so like the Falcons didn't really have any leverage. Like yeah, he said he was out of there on live yeah, that, television. Plus that. Like, yeah. not only did they not have any leverage contractually and financially, I mean, he was out. Like, quote, whether he was, was out whether, of whether, there. Whether he knew it or not, he was out of there. Right. And he does get dealt to the Titans, and they're looking scary, bro. They're looking scary. But they did lose a lot in free agency. They end up losing John o. Smith. He ends up going to New England. Jesus, on dude, the f- I didn't realize the list was this long. Holy crap. Yeah, dude. Four years, $50 million. John Smith to New England. They end up losing a Dory Jackson, cornerback. He ends up going to the Giants for three years, $39 million. They lose Corey Davis, which I imagine won't be that much of a problem anymore. <laughs> but they end up losing Corey Davis to the Jets, three years, $37.5 million. They end up losing Jatavian Clowney, defensive end. He ends up going to Cleveland, one year. $8 million. Malcolm Butler, Desmond King, Adam Humphreys. Like, dude, that's a pretty significant list of losses. Like, and big names too, like Clowney, Jackson, 
Davis, Smith, like, I mean, those are some pretty notable losses, you know? So, but on the ad side, pretty solid. Bud Dupree, linebacker out of Pittsburgh, five years, $82.5 million. As a Pittsburgh fan. Huge overpay. Huge. Of course you're going to $82 million? (laughs) I mean, it's pretty was. I remember, like, I remember talking and I was like, okay. When he was healthy, before he tore his ACL, I was like, okay, if we can bring him back on a 60, great. Love that. Like, he he would be perfect because obviously we have T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt makes him a lot better, but he also makes T.J. Watt a lot better because you can't you can't just leave the other side because Bud Dupree is going to be able to get home. But with T.J. Watt on the other side, Bud Dupree is still an afterthought. He's but, no Jadavian Clowney. Yeah. And that's what they paid him like. Yeah. And then when he got hurt, I was like, okay – this is good because maybe we could bring him back on like a one year 10 under this low salary cap. And then he boom, he has another great year and he goes back into free agency. And if he gets his bag from another team, you know, I don't care, but he can go get his bag. He got, from another team. he got his bag back, bro. Yeah. He got his bag <laughs> this year. I was like, okay, so you can get his bag next year with the increased salary cap because of COVID and everything. You get the $25 million stimmy or whatever. And he can go get his bag, but Jesus, he got paid. And I'm happy for him because he's always – he's been a really good dude. I didn't really want to pay him at first, but I started warming up to it. But good God, $82 million? Uh-uh. He's a cat, though. Uh-uh. I'm okay. Yeah, he's a cat. He is Wildcat's cat. getting paid out here, dude. From the Tyrese Maxey and Benny Snell <laughs> school of thought, but – Yes. Yeah, yeah, no. $82 million. Uh-uh. Goodbye. Yeah, it's pretty steep. <laughs> Goodbye. They also added Danico Autry, who I mentioned earlier, defensive end at Indianapolis, who, I mean, not a huge name, but he did finish with seven and a half sacks in 2020. And they end up bringing in the vet, Janoris Jenkins, cornerback out of New Orleans, two years, 15 million. And they end up bringing in Josh Reynolds, in, who is a pretty promising young guy on out of the Rams one year. million dollars but looking at the losses again dude like yeah i didn't realize that defense is gonna be struggling like they lost three corners that's pretty bad but like i said they brought in denoris jenkins to replace some of that cornerback production and with with the number 222 oh my god Number 2222, the 222nd thousand pick in the NFL draft. Mystery relevant. <laughs> By a million. <laughs> Jeez. All right. With the number 22 pick in the draft, they bring in Caleb Barley. Defense back out of Virginia Tech. Mel Kuyper's top-ranked corner. What are your thoughts? Uh, I, I like Caleb Barley. The issue is, though, his health. If he was healthy, I see him being picked in front of Sertain and J.C. Horn. He was the third corner off the board, but you know a lot of people did have him as the most talented corner coming out of this class. So I think it's an interesting choice to go with a risky pick after your first round pick being wasted or turns out to be wasted with Isaiah Wilson last year to then go and pick a guy who has the same back issue that ended Tony Romo's career. So 
you know, it's very risky. Should would I have gone with a safe pick? Probably, but they needed they, went, they needed a defense. Oh yeah, they definitely to. they definitely needed a DB. But I think you could trade back and take an Asante Samuel or something like that. But right. they take Caleb Farley. I like him if he's healthy. He's going to make a huge difference on this defense. But I do think that you know at twenty two, I think he could be the best pick, not the best player, obviously, but at twenty two, Caleb Farley could give you the most value if he stays healthy for his entire career other than you know small injuries and such but i also really like the dylan radunes pick because he was picked in the 22nd pick of the second round and he got some late first early second hype towards as we got closer to the draft i saw him mocked a lot to kansas city before they end up trading for Lena brown so clearly he's got the talent there and they were able to get him pretty late in the second round and he'll fill a pretty big need at right tackle after what happened with Isaiah Wilson last year. Right. So with that, let's get into the 2021 outlook where we have some debate. I mean, obviously the Titans are going to be good. I don't think there's a lot of debate there. What are your ceiling and floor? Uh, I think the ceiling, probably 13 wins. The floor, probably nine or 10. Yeah. Just because Derek Henry, if he plays 17 games, which is still weird to say out of my mouth. Used to saying 16 games. I, know. I have to say 17, and I don't like it. But if he plays 17 games, I can't see them losing more than eight games. I just can't because he's, he's going to demoralize teams and beat teams off of sheer discourage, just right. discouraging other teams. Just making him sad. I'd be sad if I were playing Derrick Henry too. But – I think they have the potential to be one of the best offense in the NFL this year. Like with a more than capable running yeah. game, obviously, and with the addition of Julio and an already proven good passing offense. Like I think they have the potential to be the best offense in the league this year. So I would put the I would put the cat the ceiling at fifteen. Ooh, 15 with that defense? Ceiling, dude. Wins? You have struggles defining ceiling and floor, man. I'm telling you. Their defense is bad. Yeah, it's bad, but, like, it's like Buffalo. Like, as long as you have a half decent. Yeah, but their defense had one of the best secondaries in the league. And decent linebacker play. Their edge rush was a problem. But, ugh. I can't think of one part of their defense that I'd say is a strong suit. Maybe their pass rush, but that was really bad last year. Bringing Brud Dupree, baby. Right. Solved that problem on $82.5 million. But you better solve it. I'll put the ceiling, meaning the possible, the maximum possible wins at 15, and the floor. Like you said, at 10. I don't think there's much of a spread there. They proved that they were a good team last year. So the debate comes in. Who do you think? You said that the Colts are the leading favorite for this division. I I like the Colts. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely see. I, if I, if the Titans win the division, I will be not surprised one bit. I don't see Carson winning the division this year. I think he's got – he's still a young guy. Like, I think there's production left for him to improve upon. But Tannehill, like, he's proven, and he's been in this league for a while. So, 
I think this year I'm taking yeah, Tannehill, Tannehill over was Wentz. On this, Tannehill was on the side of the league. Like there was a point where he was like almost out. out so is Carson. Yeah, but I don't – somebody would have taken a chance on Carson Wentz. And they did. Like, yeah. But, Dave, what do you think? Do you see a fall off of Tannehill? No. I'm just saying like Tannehill was kind of at the point where Carson is right now. Yeah. And I think there was more talent with Carson Wentz. The mo- the highest I, we've seen. I mean, we I saw a potential MVP candidate. Like, right. What, four years ago to Carson? We never saw that yeah. in Tannehill yeah. in Miami. This is true. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Good point. Good point. But I'm going to take tight the Titans, especially with the addition of Julio and how scary that offense looks this year. I'm taking them as the favorite because, like we were saying earlier, there's just such a spread. Yeah. Like, if Carson, if Carson Wentz could be yeah. – the well. Carson Wentz that he was last year, or it could be the Carson Wentz that was MVP. Or not MVP, but MVP candidate, you know? So, with that, let's wrap things up, dude. I think that's it. But we'll be back very soon, later this week, with another pod. And Mitchell will be joining us. Right. Mitchell will be making an appearance to talk about his Chargers and the other teams in the division with that that's it we'll catch you later in the week bro peace